Philippians 2, if you need a Bible, hands up in the air. If not, if, you don't wanna, uh, if you're not familiar with or comfortable with the Bible, we are going to put the verses up here as well. So anybody needs a Bible? One down here. And if you don't know where Philippians is, then please uh, look in the table of contents in the front of your Bible and you'll be able to find the page number and you can go there from there. Everybody good? Let's pray. Lord, thank you for, for all that you've done for us. You've been uh, abundantly good in our lives. And, and we thank you that you are the inspiration for all that we do, including our song. Lord, it's you that put the song in our heart. We sing and we make melody because of you. And we offer you the, the sacrifice of our lips, giving thanks to your name this Christmas. Lord, I pray that, that what we do tonight would just be indicative of what we do all year because we worship you and we give thanks for you every day. But Lord, we take this special time to come together and just think about what it took to make Christmas possible. It's in Jesus' name we pray. All God's people said, amen. amen. We've been studying through life of Mary, uh, life of jo- or at least the, their lives in terms of the Christmas story, uh, Mary, Joseph, and, and the overarching theme has been the gift of yes, And we'll continue that tonight a bit with looking at Jesus and what it took on his part to make the Christmas story possible, to make Christmas possible, to make our lives possible, to make everything that we understand as Christianity possible. Mary had to say yes to God in terms of being willing to uh, receive what what, what God had for her. And Joseph, same thing. And it's no different with Jesus. And in, in Philippians... It's an interesting letter. Philippians is a letter written by the Apostle Paul to the church in a place called Philippi, a a city. And uh, if you look through the whole of Philippians, there's two things that that stand out. Number one is the mind. You'll see it repeated over and over, your mind and the way you think, always repeated in Philippians. So Philippians is a book about the way you think. And then the second thing that's repeated is the word joy or rejoice. So somehow there's a connection in Philippians, for the Apostle Paul, uh, between the way you think and your joy. And of course, Christmas is the season of joy where we're reminded to rejoice. So in the midst of of this letter to the Philippians, in chapter 2, we have this little section from verse 5 down to verse 11 that really uh, captures what we celebrate at Christmas time. It captures what it took on Jesus' part to make Christmas happen. So let's start reading in in verse 5. We'll read on down. The words are up there if you don't have your Bible. And then we'll talk about what that means for us. So verse 5 of Philippians chapter 2 says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself, And became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name. That at the name of Jesus every knee should bow. Of those in heaven and of those on the earth and of those under the earth. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now that passage many of you are probably familiar with. At least you've heard it before. Some of you, it may be new. Again, set in the context of an encouragement to the people 
to not be selfish, uh, concerned with selfish ambitions, to not be conceited or think too highly of themselves. And so as an example, to instruct them and to encourage them, he places before them Jesus. So let's look at the life of Jesus in terms of an encouragement for us to be humble. Because he was the ultimate in humility. And so this is why this is written. So it starts out with verse 5 that says, Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. So he's right away talking to them about the way that they think. And he's saying, look folks, you have to think in your life the way Christ thought. You have to adopt that mindset that Christ adopted. And so he says to you this Christmas, he says, hey folks, let this mind be in you. What mind? The same mind that was in Christ Jesus. Well, what mind was in Christ Jesus? What did he do that we're supposed to take note of this Christmas? Well, it was the incarnation. The, he uh, became human. And, and what that meant is in the next few verses, verse 6 begins with, who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. So we learned a couple things. Being in the form of God, in other words, that's who he was. He was now, now, we think of in the form of, that can mean like when I was growing up, does anybody here remember the Wonder Twins? Yes, somebody, it was my generation, cartoon generation, Wonder Twin powers, activate, shape of, form of, and that kind of thing. Now, that's not necessarily what this means, that, but that's where my mind goes. It also doesn't mean, you have that picture? This is also not what it means. I'll give you a few what it doesn't mean, and then we'll talk about what it does mean. Okay, now that little beauty queen right there is me. It is. It is me. Talk about humiliating. So that's what happens when your parents direct an all-girls camp and they need a Tinkerbell for the parade. That is true. I'm putting myself out there for you guys. Uh, that picture, uh, I keep that under lock and key, only brought out at special occasions. But that truly is me. My parents directed an all-girls camp, and I was about three or four there. But the point is, there is a point that you might say, well, I'm in the form of Tinkerbell. And actually, that would not be the correct usage of that. I'm in outward appearance, appearance like Tinkerbell, but trust me, I'm not Tinkerbell. In that picture, I'm still Steve, but I've, I've put on an outwardly the Tinkerbell outfit. But the word that's, that's used here is the Greek word morphe, where we get metamorphosis. When a caterpillar becomes a butterfly, he's no longer a caterpillar, right? He has morphed or metamorphosed. I guess, I don't know how you would say that, but metamorphosized, however you would say that. Because now you could take that caterpillar and glue wings on him and glue antenna on him and glue a big, you know, nectar-sucking tongue on him, but he'd still be a caterpillar, even though you glued all this outside stuff on him. Because the word morphe has to do with who you are on the inside your nature, your essence. And the Bible clearly tells us that Jesus Christ is the, the very nature of God. Hebrews tells us that. Colossians tells us that. So he existed before he was born in Bethlehem. He, it says, because it says being, that's what he was, in the form or having the very essence, the internal nature of God. The, the character, the, that's what that speaks of. That's who he was. Then he did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. Because he was God and was with God. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God and the Word was God. Now the Word, and again, this is, this is a loaded passage, so I'm going to try to go carefully through this. The word robbery 
It means to grasp on something. You're robbing something. You're, you're grabbing it and holding it for yourself. You're taking what belongs to someone else and getting it for yourself, right? Now, he would not consider it robbery to be on equal par with God. Now, only if I say that this person is my equal, you know, if, if God says I have an equal, that person would also have to be God, right? Because God is the ultimate. He's the all-knowing, all-powerful, sovereign, all of those things. So if someone says, hey, I'm equal with God, that would make them God too. Yes or no? Yeah, okay. Just agree with me because I'm right and the Bible's right. So that's what it says. I'm not making it up. But the point is, and remember the context of this, the point is, is that Jesus didn't consider it a thing to be grasped, to, held, to be held fast to. He was willing to let that go. Now, does that mean he ceased to be God? No, and we'll talk about that in a few minutes. He never, even though he was born in a manger in Bethlehem, he never ceased being God. What did he let go of? Well, let's, let's read a little bit farther. He says, not considering it robbery to be equal with God or, or not willing, not uh, grasping on to equality with God. Instead, because he was willing to let that go, he was able to then, verse 7, to make himself of no reputation taking on the form, same word we just talked about, taking on the form of a bondservant or a slave and coming in the likeness of men. So because he was not grasping on, and remember the, con, the, the context of this is people that were elevating themselves in the church, elevating themselves in the congregation, elevating themselves socially, culturally, any way you want to slice it. And, and dealing with that, he's saying, look at Jesus. There is nobody greater than God. So you, no matter how great you are or how great you think you are, you can't be greater than God. And if God was willing to make himself of no reputation, now what does that mean, to make himself of no reputation? Um, just on the surface level, you can think about how many people are concerned with their reputation. Now, a good reputation is important. A good reputation for the right things. But some people are very worried about the labels they have or the status quo, well, my neighbor got the iPhone 5, and I got to get the iPhone 5, and this person's got that, and I got to have one of those. And we're always trying to, everything in the world, would you agree, everything in the world about, is about elevating yourself. Trying to, to climb the ladder. And sometimes to do that, we have to push other people down. But Jesus was so self-assured, so self-confident. John chapter 13 tells us he knew who he was. He knew where he was. He knew where he was from. He knew he'd come from God. He knew he was going to God. Guess what? That means he didn't have to prove anything to anybody. That means when God uh, had this job for him, so to speak, when it was time to come to take on human flesh, which, by the way, he took it on himself. God didn't have to beg him or plead with him to do this. This was his choice to do it. Because he was willing to let go of his reputation, willing to let go not of his deity, but of the advantages of the privileges, of the glory of being God. I mean, think about what it would be like if you were God and you were in here today. Now, I know some of you think you are. Some of you are teenagers and they think they are. But what if you knew you were God? I mean, wouldn't you want people to know? I mean, when it came time to get coffee after church, you'd be like, excuse me, God coming through. Don't, don't, you can't talk to me that way. I'm God. And my wife would have a shirt that said, I'm with God, you know. We'd want, people, we'd want people to know this. 
You know, Jesus says very little about himself. He, he, he you don't find him talking about himself very often, at least in terms of describing himself or talking about the things he's done. And, but he does say this. He says, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He says, take my yoke upon you. I am gentle and lowly. That's his only description of himself. I'm gentle and I'm lowly, meaning I'm humble. Take my yoke upon you and I'll give you rest. And I think that's so important because in a world where everybody's trying to be first or trying to be better or trying to, to hold on, to grasp on to some kind of reputation or making sure people recognize me or making sure people recognize my service or making sure that people somehow respect me or honor me or I've scored the goal or I've got the grade or I got the job or I did that. And in that kind of world, it's a, it's a headache, isn't it? It's a, it's, it becomes so hard to keep grasping onto those things and to try to hold on. Now, look, if God promotes you, which is what he does to Jesus, that's great. But sometimes we work so hard for elevating ourselves and then, then once you elevate yourself, you know there's always other people trying to knock you down. And then you've got to grasp onto that and hold onto that. And when, when people don't respect you, it makes you mad. When people don't give you what you think you deserve, it may, oh, I've got my rights. And we get so fried by that. But Jesus, equal with God, emptied himself. That's what the word of no reputation means. He emptied himself. Took on the form, again, the, the, uh, the internal of a bondservant, of a slave, he did everything his father said. He completely yielded his will to God, completely. And he came in the likeness of men. Not just in the likeness of men. He, didn't, he could have come in any way as the likeness of men. I mean, if I was going to come in the likeness of men, if I was God, I mean, where would you go? I'd be like, uh, excuse me, uh, Buckingham Palace? Yeah, I'm coming. I'm going to be living with you. Give me, the, give me Hollywood. Give me somewhere with privileges and advantages and all that, right? I mean, that, isn't that where you'd want to naturally be? Is that where Jesus chose? Because the average person couldn't get to him in Buckingham Palace. The, the poor person, the, the, the disenfranchised person, the disgruntled person, I have no access to Buckingham Palace. I have no access to the... So he comes in the likeness of men, but he's come, he comes as a baby. Now think about it. Look, when he gave up the glory of heaven... I mean, I use the comparison because it's just, I'm a simple-minded guy, and i got to have simple pictures, and, and we've got three dogs, and they're always the subject of my sermon illustrations. But if I was going to take on, to, to empty yourself is to take on an inferior form, an inferior life form. And I, I you know, I'm, I'm not the smartest guy, but I still think my dog is just a wee inferior to me um, in terms of, on, not much, not much. But think about to go from human being to animal, what you'd have to give up. I mean, you exchange your hands for paws, your feet for paws, and you know, no more going to the refrigerator for a midnight snack unless you're really talented with your paws. And some dogs are. I've seen videos. You, know, become, you, you would be you, but you'd be you in a different form, in a body of a dog. And no more singing. Well, we've heard some dogs sing. And that's what it talks about when he, when he, when he, gave, what he gave up. I mean, go to go from God. He could have gone from God to angel, right? But the Bible tells us he was made a little lower than the angels. He could have come as an angel. 
But he came as a human being. He didn't come as a fully formed human being. He didn't, he didn't just show up at age 30. Like, he had to go through the teen years. I mean, think about that. He had to be born as a baby. He had to, have, he had to be fed. He became dependent. Talk about going from the throne of heaven to a dependent baby to be changed. Did he spit up like other babies do? We don't think about it that way, but you know, think of it. He, this is the point. He emptied himself. And the farther you go, I mean, this is, this is greatness. The angel told Mary, your son is going to be named Jesus, and he is going to be great. And what makes a person great is not how much power they have or how much authority they have or how much money they have. What makes a person great is what they do with that. The more you have and the lower you go with that, the greater you are. Think about, I think about Gandhi. You know, this is a guy who's he's like a world leader and he traveled third class with his goat in a, in a skin, you know, some kind of uh, tunic that he made. And they said, Gandhi, why don't you go, why do you travel third class? I mean, the guy's a world leader. Why do you travel third class? He said, because there's no fourth class. Willing to humble himself, no matter how great, you know, what a great leader he was, humbled himself. Now think about if the world had more leaders like that. More humility in places of leadership. He humbled himself, so he came as a baby and lived a human, he lived completely, it says he, he came in the likeness of men. Meaning that's the, the picture of me as Tinkerbell. The, outwardly, everything you saw, everything you touched, everything about him was human. But everything on the inside was God. Now that kind of causes us to blow a switch there somewhere. That's hard to fathom, isn't it? Hard to imagine. But that's what he was. And being found in appearance as a man, verse 8 says, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death. So not only was he a man, not only was he was born in poverty, he was born to poor parents in a poor location, in a poor city. But then even that, you could think now from there, he's certainly going to climb the ladder, right? I mean, we love those stories, the rags to riches stories. The stories of Dr. Ben Carson and others that have been born in poverty and, and made themselves great. I love those stories too. But Jesus was born in poverty and he became obedient. Meaning again, he, he, humility and obedience, the two keys for your life. Humility and obedience. You get those things down, everything else is cake. Humility, obedience. And he obeyed God so much so that it even cost him his life. He gave the most valuable. He came to give the most valuable thing he had to us, his life. What do you have that's more valuable than your life? This is what the question was asked of Job. What will a man give for his life? The thing you sacrifice, when you sacrifice something you love for somebody else, that means the thing you sacrifice to the thing you love more. Right? If I love football and there's a game on and my wife says, I really need your help, and I'm going, oh, ah, uh, you got to make the choice, you know, and I sacrifice the football game because I love football, and I sacrifice that for my wife and what she needs, what's that say? what message does that send? That sends a message, I love you more. So if I give up my life for God, that says I love you more than my life. I'm willing to give up the best thing I have. And that's what Jesus did for you, willing to give up his life for your life. Even to the point of death on the cross. 
So all of that being said, going from, so we think the, it's all about ascending the ladder. The Christmas is all about descending the ladder. He goes from the glory of heaven, doesn't come down to be an angel, comes down to be human, not only just human, the form of a bondservant, not only just a bondservant born into poverty, not only just poverty, became obedient. Now, he had never had to be obedient before. In heaven, who does God obey? Everybody obeys him. Now he's learning obedience through suffering. Becomes obedient, and then he dies a death. Now me, hey, a lot of people die very honorable deaths, right? I mean, if I'm going to come, and I'm going to go all the way down there, at least give me something. Let me, let me rescue a school bus of children or something. Let me do something. Let me go out as a war hero, something honorable. Is that the way Jesus went out? How did he die? He died on a, on a, on a criminal, uh, as a criminal on a crucifix. The most humiliating death possible at that time in history. So you can't go, you can't be any higher and you can't go any lower. Do you see, the, 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 do you see what Paul is trying to say to the people at, again and what he's trying to say to us at Christmas? You've got no room to talk. And, and I tell you, we had dinner between the services and just to watch people serving, you know. And it's, church is an interesting place because you've got people from every end of the spectrum. We have people in here uh, that come to this church that have been CFOs and CEOs and way up in the military and, and all kinds of different, way high up. And you'd come and you'd never know it in the church because the, the ground is equal at the cross. And there's people in here that are homeless and you don't have one group telling the other group, oh, you know, walking around with smugness and, and pride and thinking that somehow, you know, we've arrived and, and we're here and you're there. Now, look at Jesus as the example for humility. And so then the therefore of Christmas, which I love, verse 9, therefore, because all that is true, because Jesus was willing to do those things, because those, that, that's the Christmas, that's the incarnation from, from the throne uh, to washing disciples' feet. I mean, if anybody could have said, hey, that's beneath me, right? God, I mean, there's Jesus, and it's time to wash feet. He goes, wait, wait a second, guy, wash feet? Come on, Judas, over here. Get the bucket, Judas. I'm not, I'm God. I don't wash feet. I'm God. And I've seen people like that in church. You know, what, you, you know who I am. I don't, I don't sweep the floor. Do you know who I am? But therefore, see, this is, this is the way up in the kingdom is, is down. Therefore, verse 9, God also has highly exalted him. See, he didn't, Jesus didn't have to exalt himself. God did it for him. Rose him from the dead, matter of fact. He didn't have to tell people how great he was you know if you find yourself talking about yourself talking about how great you are and all the things you've done then you might be struggling with pride and you can scratch out the mic people that are confident in who they are don't talk about it and and then god has opportunity to say you just humble yourself and i will lift you up do you trust me in that and i'll give you an example my son no one was greater no one came lower, and therefore God has highly elevated him. So much so that he's given him the name which is above every name. And isn't that what people want? I want to make for myself a name. I want to leave a legacy. These are the things that people dream of. These are the things that have been dreamt of throughout history, right? Alexander the Great want to conquer the world. ISIS want to conquer the world. Everybody wants to conquer the world. Has anybody succeeded long term? No. Anybody that has that that ambition is set up to fail because the person that has that ambition of greatness can't handle it. 
There's only one that can handle world dominance, and that's because he's the most humble, and that is Jesus. So it's Jesus that has earned the name that's above every name, that at the name of Jesus, and don't we love that name? I mean, I love that song just because it said Jesus so many times. At the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. And it covers all the places where you could be. Those in heaven, every knee in heaven bows to Jesus. The angels, the cherubim, the seraphim, the saints, the elders in heaven. Every knee will bow, those in heaven, those on the earth, that includes all of us. And and those under the earth, those that have died, those under the earth, demons, people that have passed. In other words, there's nowhere that is not going to be under the lordship of Jesus Christ one day. Every, think of any Alexander the Great, any Pharaoh, any, any world leader, any, you name it. And someday, every knee is going to bow to it. That's that, that idea of, of, of worth, worship, right? Every knee will bow. So you have an opportunity today. I don't know where you, you know, you came in here tonight. Maybe your friends or relatives brought you here to this, you know, church out in the middle of the woods and and, and you're hearing this, that someday, listen, the reality is, someday every knee is going to bow. So you can choose to bow now, or you can choose to bow later. But you will bow. Because he will be clearly recognized, as, as we sang, as the girls sang, the, the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. There is, that's the, of all the kings on the earth, Jesus is the ultimate king. The king over all the kings. The king that all the other kings will bow to. The Lord that other lords will bow to. And every tongue, it goes on to say, and Paul says, at every uh, tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of, of God the Father. And we think about the wise men coming, right? The, the magi coming from the east. They brought their gifts and they came. And we picture them always with what? Bent knee. They're, they're on their knee uh, in, uh, in humility toward the one who is worthy, toward Jesus. And so it's a great opportunity this Christmas just to, you know, to think about when you go home and you open up your presents and you look at the nativity scene. You know, I think sometimes it's a real healthy thing to get down on your knees when you pray. I think it's sometimes to, to good to just take that posture and, and recognize again that Jesus, I'm bowing my knee to you, meaning I'm submitting myself, I'm yielding myself to your lordship in my life. No longer do I make the choices, no longer am I in control. Jesus, I want to do what you want me to do. I want to say what you want me to say. I want to be your vessel. I want to be your servant for the rest of my life into eternity. Because I know your kingdom is going to be eternal. All the other kingdoms, uh, the d- democracies, republics, It's all going to yield to a theocracy one day. Jesus will be Lord of all. So again, the opportunity this Christmas is to decide for you, is that going to be now or later? Because it it will happen. And so as we close out, uh, how's the weather outside? Is it it rainy outside? Yeah, we'll we'll get, oh, I'm getting the thumbs up. We are, are, candles are are a go. So listen, um, we're going to go outside. Just go through those doors. You'll grab your candles. I'm going to pray first. And uh, after the service, after you light the candles, after we sing Silent Night, if, uh, if you just know that, that this Christmas, that this time, you've been resisting for a long time, you know God's been knocking on your heart. You just know it. You know your, your family's been coming here, your relatives have been coming here, and now they dragged you here, and this message is for you. I don't know, you know, this is, this is it's just, then just come back, come grab me and say, hey, I know you were speaking right to me, and I need to make Jesus the Lord of my life. So if, if, if you want to do that, just come grab me after the service, and I'll be glad to pray with you and talk with you about that. Amen? Y'all ready to open presents?
Anybody here open presents tonight? You get to open one? All right. Excellent. Appreciate you guys coming out uh, on a cold and rainy night. I hope, um, hope the Lord continues to bless your households. He's so good, isn't he? Let's pray. Lord, we, uh, just, we struggle for the, the brain cells to fathom the incarnation. That a holy, sovereign, eternal God, not just would, but could, empty himself into a human form to pack all of that godness into uh, a human body and to take on the limitations, to take on the disadvantage, to take on the poverty, to take on the pain, to take on uh, the accusations, to take on the cross. That you would do all that, Lord. You've given us an example and you've shown us love. Lord, I pray that, that this, this Christmas, this year, we just fathom a little more of that. And you'd help us to live just a little more of that. That we would follow that example, that the mind of Christ would be in us. That we would not find ourselves so great that we were not willing to take a lower position. To do a lower task. That nothing would be beneath us if you're calling us to do it, Lord. We thank you. We give you all the glory, all the honor. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. The name above every name. All God's people said, amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Merry Christmas. Don't forget to grab your candles on the way out.